listening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny. Welcoming you to the show. It is June 1st, 2016. Can you believe it? We're almost halfway through 2016. It's been a pretty crazy year. We've got a very special guest tonight who's never been on the show before, a Zen master, Vernon Kitabu Turner, is going to join us. Uh, he's a Christian Zen master, and he's a very, very interesting guy. I've been checking him out during the week, learning more about him. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, a lot about him and what he does and his philosophies and also his uh, participation in the movie I, God, uh, which is a very interesting take on uh, on God, basically, uh, and it's worth checking out. Just Google it, and you'll be able to find where you can watch it. Uh, okay, so let's, uh, before Vernon gives a call, I, I think he's just called in, but uh, let's just do a little bit of a, uh intro to the show. I want to talk about a couple of things be- before we bring Vernon on. Uh, first of all, we've had magnificent weather here in New York City. I'm re- Broadcasting live from our studio in Harlem, <clears throat> we had a great Memorial Day. I usually go away down to the Jersey Shore for Memorial Day, and this weekend, for various reasons, we couldn't go. So uh, we were here for three days in New York City. When New York was all cleared out, you go to Whole Foods, there's no line at the cash register, the checkout. It was amazing, and it was actually nice to just have a little break. And uh, we got good weather pretty much the whole weekend, and... Uh, uh, it was it was nice. I'm glad we didn't travel. So that's that. That's out of the way. This coming week, I've got my parents. For those of you who are lucky enough to still have your folks, my parents are celebrating their 66th wedding anniversary this Saturday. So my wife and I and my young son are going to go visit them. My dad's going to be 91. Smart man. He decided to get married on his birthday. That's one way of never forgetting your anniversary date. So good for him and congratulations. Um, What else is happening? Well, in sports and guys, guys, sports, we've got uh, the NBA finals. We've got a a return, a sequel to last year where we have the Golden State Warriors and uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. So we've got LeBron and Steve Curry, Steph Curry facing off. Should be a great series. It's going to be tight. I think I'll still stick with the Warriors. I think they're better overall and all around, but uh, I think it's going to be tight because uh, the Cavs are at full strength and they're motivated. So let's see what happens in game one. The Warriors have been off a little bit, but if they can, you know, when, when you've had the type, they came off the championship last year and then they set the record for wins this year. I, I think they had like 71 wins, something like that. And then you get into the playoffs. Well, it's hard to just stay up the entire time right through the playoffs. And they almost got knocked off by a tough Oklahoma uh, City Thunder team. And they were down 3-1. And then, you know, what champions do? They get off the mat and they won three in a row. And uh, they came from behind in each game. And um, and they're in the finals. And they're going to face LeBron again. And you got, uh, you got to give LeBron credit. He's been in the NBA Finals six years in a row is pretty amazing he's won twice lost three times we'll see what happens this year now they compare him to michael jordan a lot and uh it is a good comparison he's he's it's you know it's a different era in terms of championships though you know michael went he missed a year or two because he went to play baseball i think he had some other issues to tend to but uh he also was in six he did two three-peats so his teams won three times in a row twice the other difference is that uh, Michael Jordan, he got drafted by the Bulls, and he just played with the players that were around him, whereas LeBron has hopped around from Cleveland to the Heat, back to Cleveland, and kind of brought some of his guys with him, and uh, that's just the way it is in the NBA. So you can't blame him because you can do it, but it's not exactly the same as when Jordan played. So we'll see what happens. So the other big thing in the news, everybody's been talking about this uh, Harambe the Gorilla and I've seen the footage, and it uh, makes your heart stop. I have a three-year-old son, and, um, and I believe in animal rights. And uh, here's my opinion, just flat out. I can't believe that a parent could be so un- inattentive that the kid could have taken the time to climb through, to get, find their way through the, to, into the enclosure, number one. Um, cause I've taken my son to the Bronx zoo and, uh, you know, when we go see anything that has any type of danger around, I make sure that I'm, you know, with him holding his hand or whatever. So 
I don't know what, what happened to distract the mom. But once the kid was in there and, uh, you know, my thinking was like, well, why can't they tranquilize the gorilla? Well, the tranquilizer takes five minutes to kick in. So if it was me, I'd shoot the gorilla and I'd say, and it'd do so sadly, but he could have killed that kid. And you never know because he was kind of dragging him away. And it's just a tragedy. But if you're a parent, I think you can relate to that. Um, I think a lot of people are making a really, really big deal about it. And hopefully it'll, uh, you know, when you have consciousness comes up on something, maybe people will start to have a conversation about what's the best way of handling enclosures and zoos and uh, dealing with very smart uh, simians like gorillas uh, who are so close to, to humans um, is a tragedy. But if I had a son and my son fell in there and the gorilla was messing with him, I, I would take the shot. Uh, that's just me. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm against the death penalty and I'm against war. And, but in this case, yeah, I would protect my, uh, my son. So I don't know what you all think about that, but it's worth thinking about. Uh, elsewhere, one last bit, um, you know, talk about guys, guys, Ron Wood, Rolling Stones guitarist has just celebrated and he's the new guy, his 41st year in the band, as well as his 68th birthday. And he's just become the father to twin girls. How's that for having some energy, huh? So I'm an older dad myself, and I got to tell you, it takes a lot of energy, but I'm sure he'll have a lot more help than that. You know, it's basically, it's my wife and I do everything. I'm sure Ronnie Wood will get a lot of help with uh, people who work for him in the organization. So uh, congratulations, Ronnie Wood. He's a great guitarist, and the Stones are still at it. Supposedly, they're, they're coming out with a double album this year and going back on tour again. So amazing they're like all in their early 70s except ron wood who is 68 today let's talk a little bit about the whole guys guys uh you know where 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 this whole thing started i wrote this novel called the guys guys guide to love and it was really about men and how uh, giving women a peek under the tent at what modern man is all about because i think men are very misconstrued right now and i think men are really caught in the crosshairs in that they're not sure who they're supposed to be You've got millennial guys, they're somewhere between the MMA and manscaping, and then you've got boomer guys who are not sure about their own personal identity. They measure themselves. I see that with a lot of my boomer friends, uh, you know, by their, by their job defines them as well as their money and their possessions. And it's very understandable in a lot of ways, but that's not who they really are. So the whole guys, guys thing became... When men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. I started Guys Guys Radio to really get the word out on positivity. We've gotten a lot of fantastic guests. I've gotten a free education by so many metaphysical, spiritual thinkers and leaders, including our guests this evening. I've also had a lot of relationship experts on, and uh, it's just been a great journey that's just beginning because we're getting a lot of a lot of love from our listeners, from the people who picked up my novel, which you can pick up on Amazon. Uh, as well as uh, I've got actually a new nonfiction proposal that my agent's sending out that I think is going to really click. I've been working on it for this whole uh, past uh, five months to get it just right. And uh, it's going to be a nonfiction book. So we'll see what happens with that. You can also catch my uh, blogs and all activities about me at robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I.com. Facebook, Robert Manny author, or you can just friend me at Robert Manny, Twitter at Robert Manny, YouTube, Robert Manny author. We've got lots of videos there and all podcasts of Guys Guys Radio, <clears throat> excuse me, are available for free on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio now, and as well as Blog Talk Radio, where we broadcast from. So that's all about the whole Guys Guy thing. And, uh, I'm very happy and blessed to be following my dream and building this brand and making contact with so many wonderful people out there and spreading a positive word. And I keep learning. My guests teach me, my readers teach me, <clears throat> and just I've had the time to read some books. I've just finished the uh, second book in Neil Donald Walsh's uh, Conversations with God. And it's fascinating. And he was one of the producers of the movie I Got. And our guest, uh, Vernon Kitab, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Kitabu. <coughs> 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 
forgive me, <clears throat> Kitabu, Vernon Turner Kitabu, <coughs> Vernon Kitabu Turner <clears throat> is featured in the film, as well as being a <clears throat> an African-American author, poet, Zen master, martial artist. A little background on him, at age 17, he ran away from home to New York, where he was tested by gangs, and he earned the name Karate for his ability to fend off assaults. And I know he's, by reading about him, he's been bullied and went through a lot of that. And later he embraced Zen, which has influenced his poetry, his fiction, and his nonfiction. We're going to talk about all of that. <clears throat> Forgive me, uh, Vernon, as well as my listeners, because I just got a tickle in my throat, so I'll see if I work my way through it. Good evening, Vernon Kitabu Turner. Well, hello, Robert. How are you? I'm pretty good. And uh, forgive me that just as I was pronouncing your name, I had a coughing fit there, so I apologize. But it's the first time that's happened well, in 185 podcasts. But I have a, a somewhat of a tickle in the throat too, so we might be having a contest. <laughs> so I'm really excited about uh, having you on the show, and I want to thank you. Um, you represent, I guess, what you would call a universal Zen, and you're a Zen warrior. I know you've been asked this question a million times on other podcasts and radio shows, but for the benefit of our listeners who are just learning about you and are going to learn a lot more, could you just give us a little bit of background as to what that is and kind of what, what got you into your path? Well, what got me into the path was a, uh, a need inside to find stillness. Because uh, when I was growing up, I grew. I, I reached a point in which I was being very troubled with then. You know, when I was um, there was um, violence around me. There was um, the depression of sorts, and I began to to seek the stillness. Before long, before I ever heard the word Zen, and. Uh, and I like to say that I was already, at that time, but nine years old, I had already uh, accepted Christianity. I was a Christian. So I had that spiritual connection that way to begin with. But I began to practice the meditative tradition. And it wasn't until I got, I ran away from home, I ran into a Zen master, Numura Roshi. And that came about. When I was praying, I was asking for guidance because I was so troubled that I felt that I did not want to stay in the world. Um, and I prayed for guidance or relief. And at that, that time, there was a movement of the wind around me. And it caused me to, it pushed me. Well, the wind will do that. But in this case, when I started to follow it, it pushed me around the corner, and I kept on going, and I got on a train, and I came off in Washington Square Park, well, at West 4th Street, which is, mm-hmm. um, sure. as you know, where Washington yep. Square Park is. Yep. And um, when I entered the park, I felt peace, peaceful. My mind was no longer disturbed. It was peaceful. And I walked a little further, and I saw a man sitting in a kimono, with his hands in the prayer posture or gosho, and I waited, and he asked me, uh, what was I seeking? And I told him that I was interested in Zen. And How I old were you? That. I was How 19. Okay. I was 19 then. I knew about that because one of my teachers in school had read my, my writings, and her husband, who had already a degree in Oriental philosophy, surmised that I was a Zen practitioner for my writings, but I did not know anything about Zen. So he gave me a book, Three Pillows of Zen by Philip Carplow, and that's how I knew that there was a thing called Zen. It's turned out that that man, Numura Roshi, was a Zen master who had arrived from Japan to teach, and he uh, took me under his wing and taught me how to sit in Shikantasa, which is a form of Zazen. And that's how I began. 
Okay. Let me, let me ask you a couple of things about uh, uh, Zen. Uh, you, you, I guess, you know, what uh, you tell us a little bit about cones, I guess, and, and Satori, um, you know, what are cones and why, why cones and um, <clears throat> Satori, uh, the true awakening, so to speak. Well, koans are, they're like riddles. You Like one of the most famous ones is what is the sound of one hand clapping? You've heard mm-hmm. the sound of two hands sure. clapping. What is the sound of one? And the idea is to get beyond the intellect because we think we can answer all of our questions with our intellect. But the answers that Zen seeks lies beyond the intellect and the realm of intuition and all. And those koans or riddles are to break through, the purpose of breaking through. But they're not always used. They're not universal. They're just used in certain sets. Um, Satori is the, uh, the awakening that takes place when your mind overturns and your previous way of seeing becomes a different way of seeing into the nature of things and the nature of life. And it can change the way you respond and the way you, the way you react to life and circumstances. That's so, basically. Would, would, okay. So would enlightenment then be an, <clears throat> excuse me, an endless dream of Satori? How do you see enlightenment? Well, I would say <laughs> I don't see I wouldn't say it's the end of the stream of Satori. I would say Satori is an awakening, and uh, when you awake, you are able to experience life differently, and that is the enlightenment itself. It is not, uh, it's a seeing into the nature of things, so it's not something you're going to categorize. You know, that's where we, we make our mistake. We categorize things. It's a, it's a, a living experience, and you don't know what you have until it comes alive in the moment. So uh, being in the moment is kind of without rules. How do you balance that out with um, any rituals you might or people might do or you might do to help you reach the state where you'd be able to experience that? Well... The rituals, like they differ from one program or one set to another, but they are just steps that you take, and they are not the thing itself. So certain people were able to achieve or satori or have enlightenment from ordinary events happening without even going through those steps um, because they were hungry enough or ready enough for that to take place. It's the thing is not to be attached to to the rituals. Mm-hmm. Not to because then it becomes just that, a ritual. Right. Um as I had mentioned earlier, uh before I brought you on the show was uh I just finished the second book, Neil Donald Walsh, and uh when you were part of the film I God, did you uh interact with uh Mr. Walsh? I met him before the family. We were doing a conference, um, the Wednesday conference, and uh, we met and had dinner during that time and shared. So let's talk a little bit about uh, I, God, then the movie and the whole concept of God, because, uh, you know, just coming out of reading his book was a, was a, an eye opener in that um, he comes at it at a couple of different angles than a lot of the other things I've read. Um, and I like the fact that he basically says that, you know, the God, God that spoke through him for his books uh, was non-judgmental and uh, kind of like a parent in that they observe and try to point you in the right direction, but ultimately everybody does what they want to do and there's no judgments. Um, whatever he like he says hitler hitler went to he- you know hitler went to heaven he uses that as kind of a, a metaphor um 
because uh, everybody's where they're supposed to be and, and, and situations are created based on universal and personal consciousness. And so I, that's kind of some of the initial top line takeaways I've gotten from the book and the movie seems to explore, you know, what is God from a lot of different cultures and societies. What's your take on the whole thing, uh, Vernon? Oh, I God or normal or, 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 Neil or what? Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about the movie. I God and that approach. And then we can talk about, it. I just used Neil Donald Walsh's, uh, his books as kind of a, a stepping stone into, um, talking about, you know, God. And then they had the movie that has a lot of different points of view. Yes. And from my take, God is beyond definition. You know, we always trying to define things, but we are trying to define a being that created ourselves. And I use that um, example of an author having written a book and you're an author Mm-hmm. And your character is having a discussion as to whether or not the author exists. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the character cannot really know the author as the author knows the character. Mm-hmm. So, but you can write into the character information. And I think that we have in us, in our spirit, a sense that there is something greater than ourselves and we can find it with our spirit, but not with our mind. Mm-hmm. That's why it was Zen to me was a way of getting beyond my mind. Oh, I use the terms Mushin, Munin, and Muso. No mind, um, Munin, no thought, Muso, no reflection. So that the spirit is free and the spirit assesses the spirit. And that's where the guidance comes from. So with me, God is spirit, and so am I. I'm, I'm more than that. I'm something else, but I'm spirit. But I need to connect with him in my spirit. And in that way, I become a receiver. I'm not the, um, the broadcaster. I'm the receiver, and I'm being guided. Just as the wind guided me and to the point where I met that Zen master, the, the wind of the spirit is guiding me in other things that I'm doing. Right. And I can uh, agree with, uh, with, Neil, with Neil that we, are, we have our assignments. We, you know, just as writers write characters to do different jobs to, to, to tell the story, we have our assignments. And as individuals, we are going to judge people and uh, decide what's good or bad. We don't know what the ultimate goal of, of, of our creator is. We don't know that. We're only guessing mm-hmm. or assuming. But I trust them. And it, it seems like another thing I got out of the book, which I also would, would dotted line related to the movie, is uh, that um, God is experiencing himself through, through us. So one of the things we had just touched on, <clears throat> Vernon, is uh, I, would, I would call it manifestation. A lot of people talk about manifestation nowadays, and a lot of people are attempted, and they're having uh, a lot of challenges and difficulty with it. And it seems to me that it's, it's getting, you need to be in command of the thought behind the thought. As God says, you know, ask and you shall receive, but people don't believe that, so they don't get it. And then they, they become also in a state of want where they're wanting something. And by wanting, they remain in a state of want because that's what they're so somewhat asking for. What, what are your thoughts on manifestation, where people are going wrong, and what's worked for you in terms of actualizing the things you want to bring into your life and experience? I believe there was so already. I believe that the path to them was already before me. And so when I, um, for example, in getting to this area of mastery in, in the martial arts, uh, yep. there, there is a, a Bible verse that says, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, who teaches my fingers to fight 
and my hands to make war. When I was being attacked by the bullies, I believed that my sensei was spiritual. And I, I can be guided. And I was guided. And, and the proof of that was I was able to travel around the world giving demonstrations and all to legitimate martial artists and proving that. But also, it's like you know when you're writing, you start with nothing but mm-hmm. the idea, and it comes into being as a whole book. Uh, that's you. You have to have that focus, that concentration, and that's a, with acceptance. You have to believe that it's so, that it's taking place, even as you're focusing and concentrating. And then it it does. It happens. You don't have to see the whole thing. You just have to take the first step, one step after the next. And when did you learn this? I think I learned that when I saw the people that came into my life that helped me along my path. I thought I was alone one time. But as I had the need, there was always someone who came along we had a portion of what I needed to continue my journey, mm-hmm. like that particular teacher. And not only him, but Sargurus on Keshavadas came along later. There were ministers, or, or there were ordinary people who were there for me. And I spelled this out. We were talking about uh, books, or in my book, Kiyosano Zen. Mm-hmm. Bridging the gap between East and West. I talk about these things and how these they came to, to pass for me. How finding that way in the West, you know, it, it, uh, I believed it, it was possible. I never thought there was a difference. I never thought that I couldn't do it. So for me, it was easy because I accepted it. Some people stand outside of the experience and they're judging it. Oh, you can't do this because you weren't born there, for example. What What do you think um, of the concept of, uh, you know, the people's consciousness creates the world they live in and their own experiences as well as collectively? Um, do you Do you buy into that? And if so, do you think that's why we have, like, Donald Trump and Hillary running against each other, that people are so dissatisfied that they've created more two dissatisfying candidates for president. And there's so much tension in the world because people have a tension consciousness. Do you buy into that? Well, to to a degree, it is said the man is created in the likeness of God and God created everything out of his own being. And we are able to do similar things ourselves. We can create things out of our own being. We can create turmoil by walking into a room with a violent mind. We can create peace by walking into a room with a peaceful mind. You know, so yes, we do create the problems that we're in. And we have to say at the same way, we can ameliorate those problems by working on our consciousness. That's why we have these paths given to us so that we could uh, quell the raging sea. Do you think uh, the world is in a good place or in a very precarious place or is this one of the greatest times ever or this is one of the worst times ever? How do you see the state of humanity right now and where we're headed? If we listen to the news, we would think we're in the worst time ever. Right. But if we if we walk along the beach mm-hmm. or take a stroll through, through a forest, we will realize that the world is still a beautiful place and still able to inspire us. It is that the negative people and the negative experiences get the most headlines, and we meditate on them. And when we meditate on them, we amplify the situation. Mm-hmm. Just as you were talking about the, uh, the the little child falling in, into the um, right into the pit with Harambe, thirty eight years it didn't happen, mm-hmm. and then it did happen, and all of a sudden it becomes the focal point, you know. Or uh, and I agree with you. It's sad that the 
that the um, the gorilla had to be shot. But it'll be even sadder for me if the child had died. You know, uh, a choice had to be made. Yeah, exactly. But you know, um, we we have to look at the total situation here. And 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 one thing about it is, love is I think the answer to most of these problems. When we we, we learn to love, loving ourselves and loving others, we're not going to do certain things. We're not going to want to destroy. You know, we're we're going to reach out to try to to save each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's we need to go back to the basics. I think. Simplicity. Mm-hmm. Tell us about um, the experience of uh, being in the film. I got uh, what you got out of it. How they contacted you. What what they told you about what your role would be. Kind of the experience itself and and the movie. Tell us a little bit about I Got because it's very it's a fascinating movie. I wouldn't say it's super deep, uh, but I think it touches on a lot of areas that people it, it opens up a lot of questions that people need to start to take a step back and put aside all their preconceived notions about god and understand that people all over the world see the notion of god in different ways but also in similar ways also and all religions are different yet they're at, at the core they're the same also it's you know it's thought provoking um i didn't think it was a super deep dive but i thought it was very well done what was your experience like? Well, I told you how people get put in my life, mm-hmm. and it all fits together. It just so happens that that particular day that I'm, you see me in the film, I decided to go and visit uh, the home of Jonathan Friedman, mm-hmm. who is the director of the film, and uh, and to visit with his father, Bob Friedman who is a publisher and my publisher and a writer and, and on the film, I decided to go by and visit. I didn't even know they were going to be shooting a movie. <laughs> well, when I got there, a discussion came up, and Bob Freeman said, why, why not put Vernon in, in the movie? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how it happened. That's fantastic. Um they um, took me out to a wooded area where you see you can see that in the film. Yep. And um, turned the camera on and asked me questions because it's my life. It's how I live. So it's not like I have to be reading a script or something. Sure. You know, and um, they they wanted to know what my feelings were on those subjects. And as, as um, Jonathan said, uh, he was touched by the answers that I gave, and so I played a prevalent role in the movie. Yes, he did a great job also. Um, this is Guys Guys Radio. Our special guest is Vernon Kitabu uh, Turner, and he's a Zen master and a Zen warrior. Um, tell, talk to us about consciousness, the importance of uh Consciousness, how, how you, how, you know, you talked about the media and that we have to, you know, take that in limited doses, doses because it can affect how we think. How do you, and you talked about, you know, looking for a quiet, the internal quiet, and uh, I'm sure you know how to go very deep when you're meditating. How, how can the, they, they, the, the untrained person, if you will, begin to quiet themselves down internally and start to get more in touch with their uh, spirit, if you will. Breath and spirit are related. If you don't have any breath, you're going to be nothing but spirit. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) if uh, you learn to watch your breath, you know, to the simplest thing is to count them, to, to, to quiet your mind to count the breaths, the exhalations from one to ten. That's a simple technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't interfere with the way people think or, or their faith. If you're breathing um, in um, 
and you you exhale, you count that as one. Then you inhale naturally, you count the next exhalation as two, and you get back, you, you go to three. What's going to happen is you're probably going to lose count because your concentration will not be as strong as you think it is. Mm-hmm. But if you lose count, if you lose count, go back to one again. And uh, then go back up until you get to the point where you can count to ten. Just keep that cycle just to, to um, teach yourself to breathe properly and to mm-hmm. harmonize. Uh, I teach a technique in Kiyosana Zen. I teach a technique that I think will help people that are born in the West because it involves um, more of a physical connection. Part of it, a hand clap is mm-hmm. involved. And the sensations, but um, they can they can uh, use this technique to quiet themselves because what it, what we have is we have too many thoughts running through our head. Yep. And these and these are constantly we're chasing behind them as if we have to, but we don't. We speak of consciousness, but there is a the power really arises out of the unconscious. And we can't tap into that when our mind is running ragged. So this quieting technique helps us to be able to tap into the deeper regions. Now, uh, how how do you uh, do? You do any uh, work while you are sleeping spiritually, or do you just go to sleep? I just go to sleep. The work does me. Okay. In other words, I'm not I'm not consciously attempting to mm-hmm. do anything. I rest. But once you have that spiritual connection mm-hmm. and is there, it's uh, things are always happening. You know, but it's a connection. It's another level of being. It's like when different floors. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I would say it's like different different floors. You have an elevator, you can go to different floors. Mm-hmm. Once you connect to the spiritual level, if something happens, like people are attracted to me for seemingly no reason, who are able mm-hmm. to feel that presence in me, and they come up to me and talk to me about it. But how is how is that? Because once I've connected to that level, I'm radiating it without even knowing it. It's an unconscious thing, mm-hmm. and people, are, that's what they're attracted to. But they're attracted to that because there's also, it's also in them, see. They're maybe when did speakers. You, when, when did Go you ahead. know that you, uh, that, uh, you had this um, vibe, if you will, or was it something that you developed, uh, your, your how to you know, experience your consciousness in a, in a different way? Well, after I had my awakening, it seemed to happen more and more that people were attracted to me, and uh, I used to run away from that because I didn't understand what was happening at the time as to why. And so it wasn't, it wasn't something you asked for? It wasn't something no. you asked for? Okay. No. I was used to the... Uh, do the normal pattern, which is the church way of doing things. Mm-hmm. You know, not walking outside of the house and having somebody come up to you and uh, tell you that they feel uh, a spiritual presence and mm-hmm. uh, want to talk to you. You know, I, I have to have my own teachers to learn how to deal with that and who helped me to in that regard. Sadhguru Sankeshavadas because mm-hmm. he was a, a teacher from the East and he was had that kind of following. He, I was like an understudy. Mm-hmm. He taught me how to deal with these experiences in me, you know, and uh, to cope with it so that I could be an instrument. 
Now, a lot of times people who uh, uh, ascend, if you will, I put the word in quotes on a kind of a spiritual path, they go through a lot of, a lot of times they go through a lot of trauma that the spiritual path is not, it's not so easy. You know, you get challenged along the way and, uh, and it can create, you know, some drama in your life. How, how, how about for yourself? Cause I know you, you came out of a tough upbringing and everything, and then you ran away from home and then you, I think you lived in Williamsburg and, uh, and then you were bullied and, uh, you know, you had a lot of stuff going on already, but when you started to go on your spiritual path, if you will, did you find that things got even tougher, but in a different way? Yes, indeed. There's always an adversary to challenge you in different ways, mm-hmm. whether human being or spiritual forces. But uh, that's how you get stronger. When, can when you el- an adversary. Hmm? Can you elaborate a little bit? Are you comfortable elaborating a little bit about what kind of challenges when you were going on your spiritual path did you run into? Well, in addition to the violence that that follows me from time to time, mm-hmm. there were um, it's it's hard to categorize it because it, it came from so many different directions, mm-hmm. but sometimes your peace became disturbed. But the reason why I was saying that I learned how to cope with things through the Sakuru was because what happened was I was um, with some friends and his name came up that he was in town. Mm-hmm. And now uh, I was feeling like I needed some guidance. And uh, I looked at his name in the newspaper and I felt something come from his name, another vibration. So I said, let's go to see him. And I had no interest in gurus at all. But I went to see him that night, and I saw a white light shining around him. And uh, it was so powerful that I questioned my friends, but they didn't see that. And uh, afterwards, and I was already a Zen practitioner then, afterwards, when they took him in the back room, I just went back there. I wasn't supposed to go back there, but I mm-hmm. just went back there like I was going to walk through the door. And they opened the door and let me in. And he received me. And uh, he put his hand on my head and he said, God has called you to be a spiritual teacher, you know. And he put his hand on my head to pray for me along with another teacher that was there. And they prayed for me for guidance in my mission. Then when I got ready to leave, Om Kadas, who was the Swami Om Kadas, mm-hmm. came behind me and said, the master said to give you this. And it was a rose. The rose had been on, on the teacher's lap the whole time during, this, during the time he was speaking. So he mm-hmm. gave me the rose, and then when he gave me the rose, everything vanished but the flower. And... Uh, it's like the whole universe was swallowed up. Wow. And then I started shedding tears. So then I went back to see him. And I, he said, he stood up and he said, this is my son. This is my spiritual son. And he held out his arms and he embraced me in front of the group. And from that time on, we were together, not physically all the time. But he became my ally mm-hmm. because we are we, we are fighting against we are fighting a spiritual war. We don't just fight a war emotionally or mentally or physically. Mm-hmm. We fight mm-hmm. a spiritual war as well. And that and you find that out when you come under assault in in many kinds of ways. So we need alliances. And he became my spiritual ally. And as a result of that, I was able to endure and prosper spiritually without having to face the war. And the war, the assault is going to be on your mind. Mm-hmm. That's where the assault is going to take place. You know, doubts, you know, and all these things. So when he, and, and what I like to point out is what I saw from him was divine emanations. I felt 
that radiant love that was going through my soul when I was in his presence. Mm-hmm. And I could even feel this when I wasn't. It wasn't the man, but the instrument. Like I point out, I wasn't interested in gurus. Mm-hmm. But this particular person radiated the force that I needed. And I was able to sense that in this person. And that alliance helped me to become the person that I am today. Do, do, do you feel, Vernon, that when you... Uh... You know, when you come into contact with people that some people like you, you're, I guess your frequency is at a pretty good place and everything seems to be frequency. And one of the challenges for people is how they get to uh, elevate their frequency so they can experience all the good things and um, let a lot of the negativity fall away. When you get into that space and you maintain it, you know, good things happen around you. However, it may also occur that it freaks some people out. <clears throat> Have you ever f- experienced that? <clears throat> uh, yes. That's what I had to learn, that humility was the way. That you, ever, you can't be on radiating at that power all the time without mm-hmm. freaking people out. Sometimes you have to play it down. Right. You know, otherwise it's too much. It's like one time I was invited to to be a, a guest at a Tai Chi school to um, give a talk and a little demonstration. And the teacher said to me, you're a nitroglycerin. You're too much for my <laughs> students. Wow. Uh, and uh, that's when I learned that I had to tone down, that I was coming on too strong when I spoke when I acted, that they were feeling that force. And um, we, you have to do that because mm-hmm. people are at different frequencies. And now everybody is looking for a teacher. You can't go out with that kind of approach to everybody like, I'm your teacher, I'm your, I'm your Roshi, right. I'm your guru. You can't right. go that way to everybody. But some people like to call me Vernon. But most people don't call me Vernon. They call me Roshi or Kitabu or, or in church they might call me Reverend or whatever it may be. But the point of it is I don't mind being Vernon because that's the easiest, simplest way to, to connect. Mm-hmm. But I can't teach as Vernon because that's, okay. where, how I came, that's how I arrived. That's how I came into this world. But that's not what I am now. Okay. Let me ask you then, as uh, Kitabu, I definitely feel your vibe and your special person without question. Um, and I'm sure you can pick up on my vibe. And yes. Give me, give me some advice. Believe and follow through on the, mis- on the mission you've been given, which you're already doing. And know that help is always available and that it will come probably in unexpected ways and from people that you're not looking for it from, you know. It's not Mm -hmm. going to be in the yellow pages. Got it. That makes perfect sense. Thank you. Thank you. What can you uh, share with our listeners um, out there? What would be, you know, three things that people can do to really be able to um, get on their path to uh, raising their frequency and living a, a better life. Because, you know, I, 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 you know, I go through Facebook and stuff and I see everybody's just reacting to the election and things like that. And it, there's so much negativity and people li- live reactive lives and uh, they're slaves to the media. And I actually think this is a, it could be a very good time for mankind, but people are kind of missing out on things. And I think you stated, you know, take a walk on a beach or in the forest and you'll, you'll, you'll definitely get that vibe. I noticed myself, if I take three steps into central park, the energy is completely different, but for our listeners, what can people do to really uh, enjoy their experience here more than they have been or are currently enjoying it? Well, for me, I always look at it that 
this world was created for us to enjoy. And we, you spoke of the manifestation. Mm-hmm. We are the manifestation of something we do not see. And the, and the manifest part is what feels, touches, hears, tastes, you know, smells, does mm-hmm. all of that. We should allow ourselves to do that, to feel, to touch, to taste, to feel, to, to, um, to embrace each other and enjoy that. And that complicate things. And taking the walk through the forest or the woods or the park or walking along the ocean front or listening to children playing, these are important things, you know. These are ordinary things, but they are important things. Being created, write a a poem, listen to some music, and allow yourself to absorb life as it's being played out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's, to me, it's, it's a very simple thing. In fact, I've said far more than I would normally say because we, we talk too much. You know, we can talk too much, and that confuses us too. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, get your books. I know we uh, the interview was set up to talk about iGod, and I, I found you online, and what, what, everything I read was so fascinating, and I have a lot more questions. So what I would like to do, if possible, is I want to get your books and read them and then have you back on the show and we'll go through, the get into those books. If that would be okay with you, we can do that in you know a couple of months from now or whatever. Well, you know, as one author to another, I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> okay, and I want to learn more about what you're doing because I think you have a fascinating, very unique experience, and I really think your vibe is tremendous. So could you please tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, your website, the names of your books, and then the, you know, uh, your training, how you're training people in different ways because I know you, you are a Zen master, Zen warrior, also martial arts, and uh, – and how they can follow you on social media. I just, uh, I'm following you now on Twitter. We friended each other on Facebook, etc. But tell, tell our audience where they can find out more about you. Kitahu. Okay. My website, my website is soulsword.com. That's S O U L sword.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, the books I've written, the soul sword website is based on my book called Soul Sword, The Way and Mind of a Zen Warrior. That's um, one of my books. And another book is The Secret of Freedom. And that was um, had an uh, introduction by Linda Goodman. Mm -hmm. Sure. And a a foreword by L. Douglas Wilder. Um, Then I have Soul to Soul, Harnessing the Power of the Mind, and under the sword, life lessons to awaken the Zen warrior in you. And um, I have Kiyosana Zen, bridging the gap between East and West. And my first book was called Kung Fu the Master, but it was poetry. Kung Fu the Master, the book of Kitabu. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting at Half Lotus on the cover of that book. And that's a uh, that picture was used again in Soul Soul Book. But okay. um, I teach those. I only teach those who are looking for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really advertise. Or I can help certain people, just as certain people help me. And uh, I do one-on-one sessions. I do seminars. Or uh, and um, you can find our information on my website. And um, as far as the training goes, I do teach some people uh, Zen Mushin Ru, which is a Zen approach to martial arts. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go on my website, you'll see some videos. I, I did. I did. Actually, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you went right to Black Belt, which I found amazing. 
Well, that was amazing to me, too. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, for our listeners, can you imagine somebody st- studying? I know you do a keto, but did, was this karate, karate, when you went from, you just got a black belt, basically? Yeah, well, actually, it was a form of uh, akijutsu and, and jujitsu and all that. Well, all mm-hmm. of those names that matter, because uh, in the awakening, those abilities came to me in the awakening. And the masters of, of the various arts decided they wanted to put me through tests. And mm-hmm. they awarded sure. me the black belt based on their tests. But the ability was there. And uh, the people in Aikido saw the connection between what I did and what Yeshua Sensei did, which is why I got invited to do mm-hmm. seminars at Aikido schools, because I had Aki, spiritual harmony. You know, not that I am an Akidolist, but Aki means spiritual harmony, and I had that. So I could throw people with a touch, you know, right. or, mm-hmm. and, and kinds of ways. And and they were, they were looking at that to sort of cross-pollinate with what they already knew and what Yesopo Sensei taught. So that was very fascinating for me to to be able to bear witness to that side and to know how I came about it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, through direct connection. And that's what I tell people. There is a direct connection. Many times we do things by rote, but it's not the only way. Mm-hmm. And people seem to think you have to be born in Asia to have a direct connection, but that's not true. You know, it's interesting. Um, certain people, uh, I guess everybody has the ability to be doing what you're doing, but not everybody knows how to tap it. And like, for instance, Keith Richards, Rolling Stone guitarist, he claims, he goes, I don't write the songs. He goes, I kind of catch them. I, they're incoming. My antenna is kind of there. I pick them up and I got the song. And it sounds like, you know, from a frequency basis, you know, where you are, you're, you're attuned in a very special place that a lot of people would like to get to, but, you know, they haven't yet uh, let go enough, if you will, to, to know, to get there. Is is that accurate? Well, I think so. And I started that way as a child because I was contemplated as a child. My mother called me doll baby eyes because she thought I never went to sleep. Mm -hmm. She'd find me wide awake at 3 a.m. in the morning or something like that. But, of a peculiar child because I was always sitting alone. I was in, I was always in the quiet place, and I had brothers and sisters, brother and sisters, but I liked to be by myself. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, the nurturing ground for the, for the Zen experience. So I was on that path before I knew what it was called. Yep. You know. Mhm. Got it. Well, and listen. I, uh, go ahead. No. So I think that the people have to have a, some faith in which lies within them and, and not just in what's external mm-hmm. and allow, allow it to, to flower. Got it. Okay. Well, you've been fantastic. Uh, and it's the, the, wow, we did an hour and it went so quickly and you're really just an amazing person. So I thank you, thank you. Uh, on, on behalf of our listeners, uh, Vernon Kitabu Turner, um, for being with us on guys, guys radio. We're really trying to, you know, better men, better world, trying to get a positive message out there, help the guys and help the women who, who, who love guys and uh, make the world a better place. So I'm very appreciative of you being on the show. I can't wait to get hold of your books and uh, I'll be in touch and I'd love to do it again at some point. Well, thank you, Robert. I appreciate you very much. Okay. All right. Well, have a good one. And thank you so much Vern Kitabu Turner. Okay, folks. Thank you, sir. Okay, folks, that's our show for this evening and a fascinating show. Uh, I have to tell you just from being uh, on the air with uh, Kitabu, uh, amazing vibe coming through. And uh, I think we just scratched the surface into what he's all about. So check out his website, check out his books and uh, check out the film I got. So we're going to be back next week. uh, Same time, same place, Wednesday, 7 p.m., Eastern time. And until then, make sure that you do your best to quiet yourself down. Try some of those uh, breathing exercises that we talked about on the show. And uh, remember that uh, 
guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>